Nebuchadnezzar stood there waiting for an answer. Shadrach turned to Abednego and Meshach and said, Boys, you may not be able to see him, but you can sure feel him. What did they say? They turned and said, Oh, king, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, but if it be so, our God whom we serve is able. He is able to deliver us out of thine hand. Oh, my brother, he's able. Let weakness lie limp on God's shoulders. He's able. Let the angels sing it from heaven. Our God is able. Let the preachers proclaim it from their pulpits. Our God is able. Let the saints shout it from their churches and homes. Our God is able. Let them throw Paul and Silas into the prison. Our God is able. These young men said, Oh, king, we meant burn, but we won't bow. And the old king got so mad. He said, Bring me the strongest men I've got in my army. They brought some big, broad-shouldered, deep-chested men out there and grabbed these boys up to throw them in. And these big fellows got too close to the fire. And because they weren't made out of the right kind of stuff, the fire burned them up. And who were they? They were the ones who had bowed to the king, and they burned. And so they finally got enough reinforcements and threw these boys in the burning fire furnace and shut the door. Well, they burned. At least they thought they were burning. Nebuchadnezzar thought they were burning. He had the door shut. He walked out there in front of the furnace and rubbed his hands and said, You know, I'm mighty glad I got these young fellows out of my way. They were getting in my hair. Why, if I'd have let them live, they would have brought a revolution in Babylon. So he stood there waiting for them to be consumed. Pretty soon he said, Open the door. They flung the door back, and he got as close as he could without getting burned up, and he looked in, and when he did, his hair stood straight up. He said, counselors, princes, governors, come here quick. They all ran over. He said, look, look. And they looked. He said, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire furnace? They said, that's right. We only put three in there. They were all bound. He said, look, there's four of them in there. They're walking around. They're loose. They have no hurt. And the form of that fourth one is like the Son of God. The fourth man had come. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who the fourth man is. In Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, our high priest. In Numbers, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, the captain of our salvation. In Judges, our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, our trusted prophet. In Kings and...
Old Nebuchadnezzar stood there waiting for an answer. Shadrach turned to Abednego and Meshach and he said, Boys, you may not be able to see him, but you can sure feel him. What do they say? They turned and said, Oh, king, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, but if it be so, our God whom we serve is able. He is able to deliver us out of thine hand. Oh, my brother, he's able. Let weakness lie left on God's shoulders. He's able. Let the angels sing it from heaven. Our God is able. Let the preachers proclaim it from their pulpits. Our God is able. Let the saints shout it from their churches and homes. Our God is able. Let them throw Paul and Silas into prison. Our God is able. These young men said, Oh, king, we may burn, but we won't bow. The old king got so mad. He said, bring me the strongest men I've got in my army. They brought some big, broad-shouldered, deep-chested men out there and grabbed these boys up to throw them in. And these big fellows got too close to the fire. And because they weren't made out of the right kind of stuff, the fire burned them up. And who were they? They were the ones who had bowed to the king, and they burned. And so they finally got enough reinforcements and hurled these boys in the burning fire furnace and shut the door. Well, they burned. At least they thought they were burning. Nebuchadnezzar thought they were burning. He had the door shut. He walked out there in front of the furnace and rubbed his hands and said, You know, I'm mighty glad I got these young fellows out of my way. They were getting in my hair. Why, if I'd have let them live, they would have brought a revolution in Babylon. So he stood there waiting for them to be consumed. Pretty soon he said, Open the door. They flung the door back, and he got as close as he could without getting burned up, and he looked in, and when he did, his hair stood straight up. He said, counselors, princes, governors, come here quick. They all ran over. He said, look, look. They looked. He said, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire furnace? They said, that's right. We only put three in there. They were all bound. He said, look, there's four of them in there. They're walking around. They're loose. They have no hurt. And the form of that fourth foot is like the Son of God. The fourth man had come. Who is this fourth man?
Good morning. Ooh. Hello. Morning. practice that song first. She's in a different key, by the way. She's in a different key than what we're doing. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to, I just kind of pulled the words out of her. I thought it was good. I thought I'd try to hear it. You can just go to the email that I sent you. Huh? Go to the yeah, email I sent you. Yeah, but the words are too tiny. See those ones? <laughs> okay. <laughs> of course, I have to scroll as we go. agenda type driven pastor and uh, young folks stay in here is that Deshaun still hallelujah when do you go back Tuesday oh God bless you hallelujah <clears throat> and uh, Virginia well they're having some tornadoes in Virginia I hear so we're going to pray that's the worst thing that's ever going to face you in the Marines is a an occasional tornado um, but uh, I've, I've never been a, a vision pastor per se and but something just struck me this this year and it's just Jesus and I I just want us to concentrate this year on Jesus everything that Jesus is what he's done for us so I want to start by sharing a video how many of you I don't think too many of you have how many of you have heard uh, Oral Roberts do his fourth man in the fire If you did raise your hand, you're usually older or strange. No, <laughs> no just joking. It, it is a classic. This is not to promote Oral Roberts' ministry. It is not to do anything like that, but it's to do several things. Number one, you will hear who Jesus is through the entire Bible, and that is so important. So listen carefully. The recording is from 1955, so most of you were only about 14 or 15 at the time. <clears throat> How old were you, Mike? Four. <laughs> I was still negative. My wife was still negative. But, uh, and uh, so it, it, it shows who Jesus is throughout the entire Bible. It is a classic, number one. Number two, uh, I believe 
you're going to see, and this is, again, not to promote his ministry, but you're going to see the revivals that swept through America in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And I don't know about you, not that I want to go back. I don't know what the revival is going to look like, but I want revival in 2022. I tell you what, my Lord. I heard someone say that um, uh, it was the Brownsville revival, I believe, down in Florida, and the pastor said, uh, the Holy Spirit just spoke to him, and he says, can I borrow your church for a while? So I'm saying, Holy Ghost, borrow this church anytime you want. Take it. Take it all. It's paid off, so you don't even have to make a payment. So I, just looking back at what God did and looking forward to what he's going to do, and then again, the, the, the encapsulation of it is it's got to be Jesus all the time. So the words will be on it partway through, but um, go ahead, gentlemen, and play that nice and loud so we can hear it. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar stood there waiting for an answer. Shadrach turned to Abednego and Meshach, and he said, Boys, you may not be able to see him, but you can sure feel him. What do they say? They turned and said, Oh, king, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, but if it be so, our God whom we serve is able. He is able to deliver us out of thine hand. Oh, my brother, he's able. Let weakness lie limp on God's shoulders. He's able. Let oh, Nebuchadnezzar stood there waiting for an answer. Shadrach turned to Abednego and Meshach and he said, Boys, you may not be able to see him, but you can sure feel him. What do they say? They turned and said, Oh, king, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. But if it be so, our God whom we serve is able. He is able to deliver us out of thine hand. Oh, my brother, he's able. Let weakness lie limp on God's shoulders. He's able. Let the angels sing it from heaven. Our God is able. Let the preachers proclaim it from their pulpits. Our God is able. Let the saints shout it from their churches and homes. Our God is able. Let them throw Paul and Silas into the prison. Our God is able. These young men said, Oh, king, we may burn, but we won't bow. And the old king got so mad. He said, Bring me the strongest men I've got in my army. They brought some big, broad-shouldered, deep-chested men out there and grabbed these boys up to throw them in. And these big fellows got too close to the fire. And because they weren't made out of the right kind of stuff, the fire burned them up. And who were they? They were the ones who had bowed to the king, and they burned. And so they finally got enough reinforcements and hurled these boys in the burning fire furnace and shut the door. Well, they burned. At least they thought they were burning. Nebuchadnezzar thought they were burning. He had the door shut. He walked out there in front of the furnace and rubbed his hands and said, You know, I'm mighty glad I got these young fellows out of my way. They were getting in my hair. Why, if I'd have let them live, they would have brought a revolution in Babylon. So he stood there waiting for them to be consumed. Pretty soon he said, Open the door. They flung the door back and he got as close as he could without getting burned up and he looked in and when he did, his hair stood straight up. He said, counselors, princes, governors, come here quick. They all ran over. He said, look, look. And they looked. He said, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire furnace? They said, that's right. We only put three in there. They were all bound. He said, look, there's four of them in there. They're walking around. They're loose. They have no hurt. And the form of that four foot is like the Son of God. 
The fourth man had come. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who the fourth man is. In Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, our high priest. In Numbers, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, the prophet like under Moses. In Joshua, the captain of our salvation. In Judges, our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, our reigning king. In Ezra, our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, the rebuilder of the broken down walls. Human life. In Esther, our Mordecai. In Job, our day spring on high. And our ever living redeemer. For I know that my redeemer liveth. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. In Psalms, he's the Lord our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover of the bridegroom. In Isaiah, the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, the righteous brain. In Laman, patience, the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, the, the fourth, fourth man, man, the burning fiery furnace. Who is this fourth man? In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, the, the, the Holy Ghost and Father. In Amos, our burden bearer, Obadiah, the mighty to save. In Jonah, our great foreign missionary. In Micah, the messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's God's, God's evangelist, crying to revive thy work in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is the Savior. In Haggai, the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain opened up at the house of David for sin and for uncleanness. And in Malachi, the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Who is this fourth man? In Matthew, he's the Messiah. In Mark, the wonder worker. In Luke, the son of man. In John, the son of God. In Acts, the Holy Ghost. In Romans, our justifier. Corinthians, our sanctifier. In Galatians, he is the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, that God supplies all our needs. In Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. First and second Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. In first and second Timothy, our mediator between God and man. In Titus, our faithful pastor and Philemon, a friend, a stick of closer than a brother. In Hebrews, the blood of the everlasting covenant of James, the great physician. First and second Peter, the chief shepherd, who soon shall appear the crown of unfading glory. In verse second third John, he is love. In Jude, the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints in Revelation, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. He's April's sacrifice, Noah's rainbow, Abraham's lamb, Isaac's wells, Jacob's ladder, Issachar's burdens, Judah's scepter, from Shiloh, Moses' rod, Elijah's mantle, Elisha's staff, Gideon's fleece, Samuel's horn of oil, David's slingshot, Isaiah's fig, Paul's Hezekiah's sundial, Peter's shadow, Paul's handkerchief's apron, Stephen signs and wonders, John's pearly white city. Who is this fourth man? He's a husband to the widow, a father to the orphan, to those of us who travel the dark night. He's the bright and morning star. voice from the past that uh, no one could do any better than that. And just so you know, as you study scripture this year, 
as you read scripture, understand, realize that every word that is in this book is about Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about Emmanuel in 2021. It's not about America. It's not about Israel. It's about Jesus. All Jesus. Everything from Ruth and Boaz, from David to everything. Isaac on the sacrifice. Everything is about Jesus. Makes it easy to interpret this when you look at it that way. Because it's all about Jesus. Beginning to end. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you appreciated that because that is what we're all about. And now you can take your Bibles and open them to the book of Joshua. We'll just spend a few moments. Uh, I, I wanted to take time. It's a long video, but I wanted to take time for that. A bit of history, but a bit of understanding of what we're doing. Joshua, the 14th chapter. And uh, the title of my message, we're taking some thoughts from Caleb, the life of Caleb. And uh, I, don't know, did, I don't know if we dismissed the kids, teens or not or whatever, but whoever's wherever you're at. That's where you are. And the title of the message is, originally I was going to say, give me this mountain, give me this mountain, which is what Josh, or what Caleb said, but I'm going to change that a bit, and I'm going to say, give me 2022. How about that? Lord, give us 2022. Put it in our hands. Let us control it through your power and your spirit. Let us take 2022 as Caleb took Canaan land. That's what we want to do. So Joshua, the 14th chapter, and uh, verse 6. We'll just, we'll just read through the bits of this passage here. The 6th uh, verse of Joshua 14. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, you know, the Lord, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, he said. These, how many? Everybody say it together. Forty-five years. Wow. And ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while with Israel, wandering in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. Everybody say 85 And yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Therefore, give me 2022, which the Lord spoke in that day. And you heard in that day how the Anakim, the giants, were there. And the great cities that were fortified, that it may be with the Lord that I will go in with him and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. And Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb and his descendants, etc., etc. Now, there's some thoughts that we just need to take very quickly from uh, Caleb and this passage, and I think it applies to where we're at today in our world and where we're heading. Number one, I believe that in order to wait 45 years, <laughs> Caleb had to be a man of patience. Oh my Lord. 
patience. And, and as I've said before, and you all agree, and I all know you know it, I hate that word. None of us like patience. Never did, don't like it now, never will like it. But that word actually, in the Greek, in the New Testament, whenever you see patience, the Greek word is macrothumia. It means large passion, large passion. So it's having enough passion. Patience does not mean you're a perfect person. Patience does not mean that when you're in the midst of a difficult situation, you're just like this happy-go-lucky person that's just like tiptoeing through the tulips and all that, and everything is fine. Life is a bowl of cherries, and I'm happy. That's not what patience is. Patience is having a long, passionate spirit where you hold on and you don't let go. You may be crying the whole time. You may, your fingernails may be all busted off from trying to hold on. You may have bruises and bumps and scars. But patience says, I'm not going to let go. My passion is going to stay. I'm going to hold on until I get there. So he was a man of patience. He was also a man of single eye. He had to be. He, he, 45 years earlier... When the spies went into the land, he and Joshua said, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. But you know the story, the, 12, the 10 other spies said, no, we can't, no, we can't, no, we can't. And because of their negative report, he had to stay with a single eye for 45 years. Listen, folks, to possess what God has for us requires us to have a single eye. Not perfect, not powerful, not totally in control, not super spiritual, but single in thought. Our eye has to be on Jesus, and everything else has to fall by the wayside. We have to concentrate on him, because everything around us is a lie. It's a lie. Uh, I had, you know my feelings about the news. I can't stand the news, because it's all lies. And somebody said to me, they called me the other day and said, oh, well, you, you made it home from Florida. I said, yeah. Oh, you know, we were wondering with all the airline cancellations. I said, what? I don't even know. Ron made it back from Laredo, Texas. People made we all made it back. Everybody made it back. He says, well, there were there were like fifteen hundred cancellations. The news was saying. I said, Do you know? I know this because my son is in the airline industry. Do you know that there are forty five thousand flights a day in the United States? Forty five thousand. So fifteen hundred of them got canceled. Do you know how many get canceled on average every day? About five to eight hundred. <laughs> so the news wanted you to think that, the America, that America was falling apart because seven or eight hundred extra flights got canceled. Stop listening to the news. I promise I won't. That's my New Year's resolution. I won't tell you that again for the rest of the year. None of it's true. It's all geared to make you fear. That's all it is. It, it, it is orchestrated and connived and transpiring to make you be afraid and think that it's all falling apart. Not true. Single eye on Jesus, right? Single eye on Jesus. So he had to be patient. He had to have a single eye. And boy, oh boy, he had to be positive. Do you know how hard it is to be positive now? (laughs) Oh, my Lord. My wife, here's how bad it is with us. Here's how bad it is. My wife, we got back from Florida, and and then she had to go do some shopping. And she said, I was standing in line, and this woman in front of me turned around, and we were talking. 
and, and she said some, I don't know how it happened, but she said something about, well, well, we were in Florida for several days, and, and she said, oh, that's wonderful. Well, we were thinking about going, my, wife, my husband and I were thinking about going uh, soon, but is it safe? And my wife, not even thinking about the world, my wife said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's safe. My, my sister doesn't even lock her back door. <laughs> and the lady said, no, no, COVID. My wife wasn't even thinking. I don't even think about that anymore. And she said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah it's safe. I, I think now we should just start saying, oh, no, it's terrible. You're going to die tomorrow. You're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. But positive, you know how hard it is to be positive now? Oh, my goodness, positive. The, the word says, I know my thoughts toward you for good and for evil, not for evil, that you might have a future and a hope. The word says, wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto him by God, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. Should that make you the most positive person in 2022, that Jesus is alive and he's praying for you right now? Every day in 2022, he's already praying. He's already in September and November and December. He's already praying for victory. It's already there. He's already completed it. Being confident of this very thing, Paul said, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So we've got to have that single eye. We've got to be patient and we've got to be positive. And I believe the fourth one is, and, and this is just the introduction, but I'll move really quickly, okay? I think the Steelers and Browns aren't, play, aren't losing until tomorrow night, right? <clears throat> They're playing each other, if you didn't know, and they're both going to lose. But I believe the fourth one is submission. He had to be a man of submission, didn't he? To every day, every day. Here we have a man of faith among the faithless for 45 years. That's a lot of days of living with faithless people. Here was a man who knew his destiny but for 45 years, he was among a group of wanderers that knew, didn't know what they were doing. Here's a man who believed the invisible, but he was constrained by those who were bound by the visible. He had to suffer with the visible while waiting for the invisible to come. He had to have a positive outlook surrounded by millions of people that murmured all day long. Wow. I want to meet him when I get to heaven. I want to be like him when I grow up. Maybe by the time I'm 89, I will. But he stayed with them. He stayed with them. He stayed with them. He delayed his personal vision for the sake of the body. That's a whole other, a whole other sermon. He could have said, you know what, forget it. These are a bunch of losers. I'm out of here. I'm just going to go in by myself. These faithless, sinful, lost complainers, I'm out of here. But he didn't. Instead, in verse 18... He called them brothers. Verse 8, I'm sorry. Called them brothers. My brethren. My brethren. Uh, my brethren. This, that's right. He stayed with, with these people. You know, let me, let me tell you something. And, and this is not a reflection on Emmanuel. This is just a reflection, a general concept. But I would rather be part of a weak church than be strong all alone. I would rather be part of a weak church than to be strong all alone. There are a lot of Christians that are out there that are acting so strong and they tell us they don't need the church anymore. We need each other, folks. 
I don't care how weak we are. I don't care how sinful we are. I don't care how wrong we are. We need each other. And there's no one that is strong enough to be by themselves. We need each other. So I'm going to give you three quick points, and I'm going to move very fast through this. Three quick points, and because I, I, there's no way I could preach as good as Oral Roberts. So I'm going to give you three quick points. <clears throat> For 2022, and as you begin your journey with him, Caleb carried out a purpose, he claimed a promise, and he conquered a possession. He carried out a purpose, he claimed a promise, and he conquered a possession. I believe in 2022, we need to have a purpose, we need to have the promise in our hearts, and we need to possess 2022, or it's going to possess us. So we need to possess it. So first of all, he carried out a purpose. What was his purpose? His purpose was to receive the blessing, to get the great inheritance, to get the land, to get Canaan land, yes. But he didn't know what was happening beyond that purpose, and that was to establish the kingdom on earth so that the Messiah, Jesus, could come forth from a little girl named Mary many years down the road. Our purpose, yes, is to enjoy the life of Jesus that we have, to have that peace, to have that joy, to have that profound love, to have everything that the blessings of the gospel give us. Those things are all wonderful. It's wonderful that I can rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory because what Jesus did inside of me. It's wonderful to know that in the midst of a dilemma, I can have peace because it doesn't come from a bottle. Hallelujah. In the midst of a trial, I can have joy because it doesn't come from a needle. In the midst of pain, I can have a blessed assurance, and it doesn't come from a bank account. I can have all of those blessings in Jesus, and that's wonderful. It's wonderful to know that Jesus loves me, and that he died for me, and that he lives for me, and that I have a purpose. But there's a greater purpose to this whole thing, isn't there? And that is to tell the whole world about Jesus. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. The Old Testament shadow of the New Testament reality. Caleb went in to take Canaan for God's purpose, and we are to go into every part of the earth and take the earth for Jesus. This gospel of the kingdom is being preached all around the world, and we have a divine purpose to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus, baptizing them, making them disciples, and bringing in the kingdom into their lives. So we have that purpose. And we also have the purpose of living in the midst of a godless generation, living a a godly life. And boy, isn't that a challenge. Wow. How many of you had just a wonderful time with all of your godly family over the holidays? (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. Never saw so much drinking in my life. There was so much drinking going on that I wanted to start, too. What the world depends on. Wow. 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 So, so we, we, we have a purpose. We, we've, we've got to carry out a purpose, and that purpose is bringing Jesus to the world. But the second thing is that Caleb claimed a promise. In the ninth verse, he said, This is the word that Moses gave to me, and I'm standing by it that I'm going to get it. The word declares that all the promises in Jesus are yes And amen. Isn't that something the way the word is so emphatic? All the promises are yes, number one. You'd think he'd stop there. But no, they are yes and amen. They are yes and so be it. They are yes and it is 
completed. As a matter of fact, that word in the Greek, nigh, means even so, surely, a strong, emphatic yes. What joy that brings to us to know that whatever God said in his word is a strong yes in Jesus. It is even so, Jesus. It is surely Jesus. Father, can it possibly be? Look at my life. Look at the mess I'm in right now. Look at the things that are happening. Can it be that these promises are sure and true? And he looks down and says, yes, my child, surely they are true. Is it possible? Yes, my child. Yes, yes, yes. Can it happen? Even so, it will happen. Can I have hope? Surely there is hope. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is neither variableness nor shadow of turning. He is yes, yes, amen, amen. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. If you need a promise, it's right in the word. God said it. He swore to it. He said, here it is. I'm walking it out in your life and everything that you need is right here. Caleb knew that in the Old Testament. We should know it in the New Testament. So he claimed a promise. And the last one is, very simply, that he, cared, he conquered a possession. Joshua, the 14th chapter, verses 13 and 14, he says, that's it. <clears throat> Hebron, here I come. <laughs> Hebron, here I come. All the giants in the land, here I come. All the walled cities, here I come. You know that one of the other tribes, I can't remember which one. It might have been Benjamin. I I can't remember. But uh, their portion of the land was way up in the mountains, and it had real big trees and forests. And and when they got into into the land and they saw all the trees and the forests that were there, they came down to Joshua and they said, we don't like our land because there's a lot of trees there. I guess they never heard of lumber. And I guess they didn't know that you build houses with trees, right? So God put them in a place where they had everything they would possibly need to be victorious. And they said, there's a lot of trees there. (laughs) Oh, folks. They couldn't see the trees for the forest. Wow. Conquer the possession. What possession does God have for you this morning? What what, what things has he given to you to possess? Well, I'll give you the first one. The first thing that God has given you to possess is you. What did Jesus say? Possess your souls. Possess your souls. Control. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. We've got what? This is January the 2nd. You've got 363 more days this year. Uh, that's a good start on trying to possess yourself. Oh, you can say amen. It's okay. 363 more days say, Jesus, I want you to help me possess my mind, possess my emotions, possess my feelings, control my thoughts. <laughs> I- I'm going to make a goal, Jesus, this year. To bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When you guys finish that, let me know. Control. Jesus said, possess your own souls. And and, and I believe when he said that, he did say own. He didn't say possess your husband's soul. He didn't tell you to control your wife, right? Possess your own soul in fear possess it. So the first thing we possess is our souls. 
But what else? What else? Oh, all, 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 God has given us all these blessings and promises. Maybe this year it's a mountain filled with enemies. Maybe this year it'll be a mountain filled with struggle. I don't know. Maybe you've tried to avoid it. Maybe you've tried to skirt something. Maybe you've tried to hide from it. Maybe you've tried to pretend it's not there. Now it's time to take the mountain for Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's unsaved loved ones. Maybe it's an unemployment situation. Maybe it's a physical problem. Maybe it's whatever it is. Now's the time. 2022 is when I believe we're, God's going to call us to say it's time to take the mountain now. It's time to come out of the wilderness. It's time to cross the Jordan. It's time to come into the land of promise. And it's time to tear down some walled cities. Tear down some walled cities. I'm going to give you a little. I'm going to give you a little foreshadowing of something here, and I'm going to get myself. You know, I like to get myself in trouble, right? I'm working on a message or two or maybe three, I don't know, on when is it proper for a Christian to disobey the government? (laughs) Or you can switch it around. When is it proper for Christians to obey the government? Whichever way you want to look at it. Because I believe we've misunderstood a lot of things when it comes to that area. Let me just give you a little foreshadow, can I? Because I believe this is, has to do with taking the land. You do realize that if Christians did not, if Christians did not disobey the government, that you and I would not be sitting here, because in 1776, it was Christians that disobeyed the King of England. Do you know what the King of England, King George, do you know what King George and his ambassadors and everything, do you know what they called the American Revolution? Anybody know? They called it the Presbyterian Rebellion. Because pastors all across the country were preaching against being submitted to the King of England. Because they said, we only have one king. King Jesus. And that spurred the American Revolution. And I'll tell you right now, if we had... A king, I would still not want to be in the church in England because I don't, still don't want the queen to be the head of my church. Daughtering old fool. I don't want her to be the head of the, of the church. I want Jesus to be the head of the church. And I will bow my knee to him any day, but I will not bow it to Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, everybody's going to say, when are you preaching that sermon? When are you preaching that sermon? I want to make sure I'm absent. I want to make sure I'm absent when I preach that sermon. But this year, it's all about Jesus, nothing else. It's not about who's in the White House. It's not about COVID. It's not about your job. It's not about your family. It's all about Jesus. That's why I wanted to play that clip, because it's Jesus from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this Caleb that we see that had the guts, the tenacity to stand tall and firm and to run into this battle. Not run away from it, not cower in fear, not complain, oh God, why did you give us this? And why do I have that? And why do I have this family? And why do I have that job? And why do I have this problem? And why do, and it's easy for us to do that. And many times it's understandable. Some of the things we face, the pains, the hurts, it's understandable. But help us, Father, this year to be Caleb's, 
that will stand up and say, I don't care who is in my Canaan land, I'm going to go take it right now. I don't care who is in 2022. I don't care what 2022 has. I'm going to march into it boldly and take it. Because your word says, Jesus, you said the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That's not a physical force. It's not an earthly force. It's not guns. It's not weapons. It's a force that says, I will subdue my flesh. I will subdue my thoughts. I will subdue what I think is right and wrong. And I will follow violently what the word of God says. That's who you're looking for today. That's who we need to be in 2022. I thank you for that, Father. And we're going to praise you as we walk boldly into your new future for us. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Everybody stand together. How many are glad for the new year? And how many are glad that the new year has Jesus? All over it. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Turn around. Bless somebody. Go forth praising him into your Canaan land.